Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith. He's Derek Terry. Derek, hope you had a good weekend. Did Sean took a trip down to uh, Corbin and attended a wedding of someone I didn't know, but also went and watched Space Jam. Took my wife's nine-year-old brother. Uh, we all went and watched Space Jam. So some of that LeBron propaganda. No, I'm kidding. I'm not getting into this LeBron debate. I actually like LeBron James, but uh, it was worth seeing. That was a cute, cute kids movie, you know. But that was my weekend, Sean. How, how was your? How are you doing? You it was still stiff, drying stiff. out from the uh, Jacobson Park Lake. <laughs> yeah, uh, spent Saturday and Sunday taking engagement session photos that required me to walk across rocks and shells in a creek uh, on Sunday, which my feet are still killing me. Like I. <laughs> I remember being three years old, Derek, and taking off running across a gravel driveway and not missing a beat. And now I can't – I'll take one step, and it's like I'm trying to float on it. And then, yeah, I had to sit down in Jacobson Park and the the lake there and just mud. And it was fun, though. It was different. It was, it was an experience. I'll give it that. But I enjoyed the weekend. And now it's another weekend closer to Kentucky football, and we're going to shift our attention a lot to football over the coming weeks, Derek, as we get into – that opener that's just a few weeks away. I know media day, hopefully with everything normal, we're, we're crossing our fingers. We still don't really know exactly what that's going to look like this week and fan day as well, but we're getting into that point to where there's preseason rankings. And I know this is a big discussion every off season, every preseason leading up to Kentucky football is, are they disrespected? Are they respected? Really can't say disrespected because the CBS released their top 130 today. Kentucky's at number 35. And it's interesting because we talked about ESPN FPI last week. And if you look at this, they like Kentucky to have a very good season if you go off of the way these polls and these rankings are laid out. I just keep thinking about Mississippi State fans, Sean, when I read these. <laughs> they're all over the board. I don't know if they know what they're going to get this season. Top 25 in FPI, finished, picked to finish last in SEC Media Day rankings, 55th here. Um, but, yeah, we'll get to them a little bit more later. You're right. UK – UK is actually one of these teams, too, who uh, if you go to cbssports.com, it's actually their top top page on the whole website right now, is their college preseason 130. And the way they vote on this, it's from the writers at uh, at CBS, of course, but also with 247sports.com. I don't know exactly who votes in it, but this is um, – uh, it's a dynamic ranking, really. This is what – they change it every week. Uh, they update it. But uh, UK is one of those teams in the – listed in the 26 to 130 range. I mean, they just go straight down on list. But UK is one of the teams with a blurb. And um, Chip Patterson wrote this story, and this is what he had to say about UK. With three new head coaches in the SEC East, it's Mark Stoops, now in his ninth year leading the Wildcats, who has become the most tenured coach at his current position in the division. Five straight bowl appearances and three straight bowl wins have created a fine reputation that can help keep a high floor on these rankings. And I think that's what we see here with the mid-30 starting point for UK. So I don't know year in and year out where Kentucky has been ranked here. Um, but I gotta say, Sean, there has been quite a bit of preseason love, I would say, relative to historical norms for UK this offseason coming off a five and six year. Yeah, you can't argue with where they are right now, honestly. If you're a Kentucky fan, and you mentioned five and six, they could have easily been significantly lower. And if they wouldn't have had those years and that kind of reputation that they've built for the last four or five, they would have been lower coming off a of five and six year, especially when you don't really know what they have at quarterback. Yeah, yeah, you set that quarterback battle going. You got a whole new offense. Um, 
it's really interesting when you look at these rankings. You look at who else is is listed below Kentucky. I mean, there are only three teams in this whole list um, who who are ranked ahead of Kentucky. And that's kind of the teams you would expect: Georgia, Florida, and LSU. Yeah. After that, Kentucky's ranked higher than every other team on its schedule. And of course, Chattanooga is not listed here because they're an FBS opponent, and this is all, or sorry, they're an FCS opponent, and these are just FBS rankings. But UK is is somewhat pretty pretty higher than a lot of these teams missouri's at 47th and after that there's no one uh, listed below 55th no so if you go off these rankings and you're a kentucky fan i mean i know this isn't how things work uh but basically cbs projects kentucky to be better than nine of the teams they're gonna play yeah which would be a nine and three season if it if it holds up which would be massive uh but that that's the eye-opener to me too is looking at this you see tennessee at 68 they're on the back half of Kentucky schedule. Vandy, 105 on the back half of that schedule. And then Missouri at 47, South Carolina at 93, and they're on the front four of that schedule. So the schedule sets up with those four winnable games to begin the year, and Missouri is going to be tough. Uh, you don't want to ever assume a road game in the SEC is a gimme either at South Carolina, but we've talked about how this schedule sets up with that first four, that middle four, and then the end of the schedule, those final four. You could see this, this – if they if this holds true, this could be a very good year for Mark Stoops in this program. If they get off, to me, the key is getting off to that really fast start. They need to go four and zero in the first four. They do, and and again, I mean these these rankings. There will be others that come out. There's others that have already come out. Um, you take them for what it's worth, but I do think you see a situation if you're UK, you you really need to take advantage of this year. I mean. Tennessee's in a bad spot, obviously. Uh, 68th really isn't that bad, honestly. Given everything that they've lost, I kind of thought you might see them even lower. Uh, Missouri at 47, they're interesting to me because it seemed like they were kind of the talk of the SEC East outside of Florida and Georgia. And now that it's getting closer to the season, it's I'm not saying people aren't as high on them, but it's kind of interesting to me that UK is kind of solidly – I mean, it's two straight things. you got the SEC pre, preseason uh, predicted order of finish. UK is picked above them. And then you've got this, they're 12 spots higher. So, you know, that's not a huge difference, 35 and 47. Uh, it's not a big difference by any means. But even even the team composite things I was looking at with the star ratings, I mean, UK's at 22 four-stars versus just nine for Missouri. I'm almost wondering if if people are pumping the brakes a little bit on Missouri. I'm just not quite sure they're as talented as, as what people think top to bottom. But they do have a pretty good quarterback. They've got a pretty good head coach, an innovative guy who has done very well in his career, uh, especially coaching the offense. So, again, I'm not saying that this is going to be a, a no-doubt win for Kentucky, but I, I do think they're probably better than Missouri. But uh, Louisville's pretty low. I mean, that's another team that you talk about media darlings. I mean, they, they were all over the preseason top 25 last year, uh, and then they have a tough season last year and back down to the mid-60s <laughs> this year. But – how about this one, Sean? This is the one that, you know, you know this program's kind of in bad shape, but then when you see it on this list, it's pretty crazy. South Carolina at 93. Yeah, yeah, that one's that one, that one really stood out to me. You mentioned Tennessee at 68, which given everything that they've gone through isn't too bad. Yeah. But you look at South Carolina at 93, yeah, that that's a bad spot to be in when it comes to – which this is just preseason rankings. All it takes is a win early in the season or something to kind of shift that and you take a big jump. But, yeah, that's a, that's a bad spot to be in. I mean, they're right there in the cellar kind of with uh, with Vandy at 105, okay. bottom in the SEC. Are there any other surprises? Ole Miss at 23, Auburn at 30. I had Auburn 
I think I voted them. Was it sixth? If I'm not mistaken, I'm trying to look back on my ballot. I think I, think I had too. them sixth in the West because yeah, I had Arkansas. No, I had them fifth. Five. I had them fifth. Yeah, yeah. That's right. I had Arkansas five, Auburn six, Mississippi State seven. So that's another one of those teams that you know fifth in the West. That that is where they were right, and then when the actual rankings yeah. came out, it was fifth, and they see them as a top thirty team. Uh, Texas A&M at seven, Georgia at five, Alabama one. Just in case we've not men- mentioned those. Yeah, I, I like Ole Miss. I do. I mean, I think when you got a quarterback as good as Corral, I think that can solve a lot of problems you have. But I, I would, I'd be. Can you finish top twenty-five with a seven and five record? Do you think? Because I kind of think that's where they're going to end up, like a seven and five range. So, I think they might be slightly high in the SEC. Um, it looked like LSU kind of got the benefit of the doubt in some way. Well, it's hard to judge LSU because they, more than anybody, they were really affected by opt-outs last year. And, of course, they lost so much from their national title team. I just think it's kind of hard to know much about them. So, talent-wise, I do agree. They're probably a top 15 team, no question. And they kind of get the benefit of the doubt, I think, at 14. I'll be curious to see where they are uh, moving into that. But the one team that really made me open my eyes, and I would be stunned if they performed to this level, is Iowa State at number six. Yeah, uh, Matt Campbell's a great coach. He's done a tremendous job at Iowa State. But they're listed ahead of Texas A&M, North Carolina, Oregon, and Notre Dame. And then, for that matter, Florida and LSU, too. Um, there's just no chance that they're more talented than those teams. I refuse to believe it. I know they got a lot of seniors, a lot of leadership. I bet they win a lot of games this year. But I, all those teams that they ranked, they, I, like, I would – I would put Iowa State like in the 12 to 15 range. I think that would be fair. But number six, I mean, to me in college football, if you're ranked six, you're still among the elite of the elite. And I don't think that's Iowa State at all. No. Uh, And when we're talking reputation and things and what Kentucky's kind of built and you see where they are. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's another thing. Like Kentucky, you're not going to see anybody put Kentucky in the top six or top ten preseason polls. Uh, But just going off the SEC, let's do this here. Tell me a team in that top half that you think could underperform. And is there a team you have maybe in the middle to the bottom half you think could kind of outperform where their preseason ranking is? Do you see any one one of those teams? I was looking at Florida or LSU. I'm just I'm thinking one of those teams are going to underperform significantly. I just I don't know which one it is. I think Florida would be like an eight and four team this year. So I doubt that's good enough to finish 12th. Um LSU is just tricking me because, like I said, I just don't know how much we know about them. They exactly. kind of shuffled quarterbacks last year, uh, they, but they've recruited so well that it's hard for me to say. I, I feel like in my mind, and I might have been totally wrong, I feel like LSU is going to be better than Florida. I don't know why I feel that way. I just kind of do. I, I think Florida is just kind of poised for a little bit of a step back this year. I think mm. they'll still be a good team, but I just don't think they're going to be – I mean, that offense is kind of changing its whole identity this season. They're going to be more of a run-first team this year. And I just think that's going to take some getting used to, but um, I, I don't know. That's if the way I was a, leaning to yeah. with it, by the way, was Florida. Just because their schedule, they play Alabama, Georgia, LSU, at Kentucky, at Missouri. Tough schedule. It is. It is a tough schedule. Um, I, I think Mississippi State, just talking about some other teams, like I, I just don't know what to think about them. Like, like I said, they just fascinate me. Uh, I need to get on their message boards and see what their fans think about this season because they're another one of those teams that is going into year two but they were pretty bad last year i mean they went three and seven they had the big win against lsu but i mean when they came up to lexington man they looked awful and i know it was still early in the year but they were throwing the ball all around uk picked them off i think 
six times, five or six yeah. times. I can't remember what it was. One of those two. I mean, UK's offense was rather poor that night uh, and still never really felt threatened uh, just because the defense played so well. But they do have their quarterback in place. Uh, Leach has proven over the course of his career uh, that they they can do pretty well uh, when he's the head coach. But And, again, I had them pick pretty low in the SEC, but I kind of wonder if – to me, if Mississippi State gets the six or seven wins, you got to think they're better than the 55th ranked team in the country. Um, so I think they got a pretty good chance to outperform that. Non-conference, what, what do you think about Louisville this year, Sean? I'm just kind of curious because I almost feel like people are being a little – I mean, I've pointed out numerous times on here and even on Twitter that, like, they're not a very talented team on paper based on the recruiting rankings. But they do have a pretty experienced defense. They do have a pretty deep offensive line, and their quarterback's been there a while. I just, I'm wondering if they're being undersold just a little bit. What, what does their schedule look like? I've not even looked at their schedule this well, year. I mean, they, they they play in a bad division. I mean, they don't outside of Clemson and I mean, how bad Florida State's been. Like, I think NC State might have been picked to finish second. I can't. I know basically Louisville's picked to finish sixth in its division, and to me, that was just. A, I think they'll outperform that. Yeah, and they but can I don't think they're going to be very good. early, right? They play Ole Miss first. Yeah, and I would I would still take Ole Miss in that game. Yeah. Um, I just I, I don't know. I mean, Louisville's they definitely have some question marks. I'm not trying to to make a pledge for them to be ranked super high. I just I'm gonna guess they end up performing a lot. I almost feel like it's like been a, a correction almost from people being too high on them last year. Now I'm almost leaning towards thinking they might be being undersold just a little bit. So I could see them. Uh, I think they're. <sighs> They're probably around a six and six, seven and five team this year. I guess. Where does that land in the forties, fifties? Yeah, I think definitely higher than sixty fifth. Yeah, <laughs> which is what I'm going off on this. So. Yeah, so uh, that covers everything with uh, with the preseason rankings with CBS. Another big story too, Derek, is Isaiah Cummings. Obviously, the tight end position. We knew that there was going to be some shuffling there when it comes to depth. They they have depth at that position. Uh, behind it with Rig coming back for an extra year. You still got Brendan Bates. Uh, but then Nick Roush this morning reported that Isaiah Cummings will be making that shift and moving over to the tight end spot. What do you think about that? When you look at him, he's a physical specimen that has the body to play that spot in the SEC and the height and size. Yeah, when we got down to Hoover and uh, that, that news had come out that morning about Upshaw, I just did like an analysis piece and I was like – I mean, you, you know, you got Rig and Bates there, and you got to expect those two to be the top two guys. But is UK going to be comfortable rolling with Jordan Dingle, a true freshman, as its number three? It kind of felt like UK needed to make a move to someone else. And whenever you went through the list, I, I think it, it was either going to be two guys Trayvon Morgan, who transferred in here, who is listed quite a bit lighter. I think he's only listed at like 218. He is six foot six, but only listed about 218. Or Isaiah Cummings, who is like, I think, listed at 6'3, 228. And I think Cummings' is rep as a, as a pretty physical guy at a high school. I mean, he did a lot of that kind of H-back stuff, I believe. I mean, I never watched the Mel game, but I just remember watching the highlight tapes and things like that. And he's kind of a guy who – it was always kind of a question, even when he was being recruited, would he be a wide receiver or a tight end? You know, would he be fast enough to stay out there at wide receiver? He is going to be lighter than basically every other tight end on the roster, but I kind of like that. I like that he will give you a different look. Yeah, he's probably not the kind of guy down there on the goal line that you're going to put into and tell him, "Hey, go block this, uh, go block this defensive end or linebacker." You know, you're going to want Bates and Rick to do that. But in certain packages, I think he definitely has a role on this team, no doubt about it. A matter of fact, I think he might have a better chance playing this year 
at the tight end spot versus had he stayed at wide receiver. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Well, the, the athleticism. You know, Keaton Upshaw had the size and he had some athleticism, too, to make plays. And you got that in a guy like like Cummings. You got that athleticism factor back. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know, it'll be curious to see. I'll, I'll be curious to see how much did, did Keaton Upshaw's injury affect what Liam Cohen wants to do. I think I'll probably ask him that at media day or I'm sure somebody will. And I don't know how much he's going to share. Just, you know, you, you never tell in those kind of situations. But I do wonder, I mean, I think he was definitely a guy they were kind of banking on being having a big year. And whenever you lose a player like that, you got to make some adjustments. So I'm wondering if Upshaw can do some of the things that they hoped for with Upshaw. Obviously, he's not as big as Upshaw. I mean, Upshaw is, what, 6'6", six, six, like 250? Yeah. Something listed close to that. I mean, he's a, he's a monster out there, one of the most physically impressive-looking players on Kentucky's team. So, you know, Cummings, is he's shorter than that. He's not as heavy as that. But I do think – you can pair him up with some linebackers. If you get him in the right situations, he, he can be a bit of a mismatch out there. So I like this move long-term too, just because you know you're going to lose rig after this year. But at this point, you got to expect Upshaw to be back, given that he's going to be rehabbing the whole year. Tight ends, even tight ends who leave early, typically do not get picked very high. So there's, I would say, no chance. He, he decides to go to the NFL now following his injury. So you could still have Upshaw, Bates. You know, you I think Dingle in year two would have a better chance, and then Cummings as well. Uh, and then you're going to be adding uh, Josh Caddis from the high school ranks. So this room's still going to have plenty of bodies, and I like that next year you could have potentially four experienced guys coming back. And when you're talking about throwing a wide receiver into the mix and tied in, the, the one thing that you, you know you're getting is good hands, right? I mean, you're, oh, yeah. you're getting a guy at that position that can make plays in the passing game. And this happens every offseason, too. Guys shuffle positions depending on depth, depending on injuries, preseason, things like that. So it's uh, maybe this might, you think this is the last guy that shifts and moves, or do you think that we get some more stories out of camp where they move some guys around possibly when they look at things? Yeah, that's a good question. I didn't really thought about that too much. It's always, it's always tricky. I don't think they really have any of those wide receiver DB combos this year. You know, Zaire Hughes, it seemed like every year it was like, you didn't know if he was playing DB or if he was playing wide receiver. Um, I don't know if they really have anybody like that this year. Just because that wide receiver class that they recruited, a lot of those guys were just pure wide receivers. I know Chauncey Magwood had to play quarterback last year, but, I mean, before that he was a wide receiver the whole way. Um, I could definitely see some shuffling, like always, on the offensive line. Uh, guys moving from tackle to guard or guard to tackle or, you know, to center. I mean, I know Wolford practiced five guys. Uh, at center during spring ball. So, I mean, it, it could be 
movement like that, but but I wouldn't be I wouldn't think there'd be any real big changes. I mean, Torrance Davis already moved from linebacker to running back yeah. in spring, so he would have been one to watch otherwise. And that's not the only story over the weekend. Obviously, I know you want to talk about this too on this episode. Kentucky football did have a decommitment, Derek, and I'll let you kind of take over and, and discuss your thoughts on that. Yeah, Jeremiah Caldwell, who uh, committed to Kentucky back on January the 23rd. Uh, he decommitted from Kentucky yesterday on August the 1st. I kind of wondered um, – I didn't follow him on Twitter, but I did read that he had posted a couple – because August 1st, for those who didn't know, it's the first day that seniors can get written offers. And, and where that's different is if you receive a written offer from a school, then, like, you're a serious priority. Because, you know, like, you, you see Kentucky – they verbally offer a lot of guys. I mean, most schools offer hundreds of guys a year, and you're talking about a class that I think at max and have like 25 guys in it. So, you know, all those guys can't actually commit to Kentucky or whatever school if they wanted to. I'm not sure that Caldwell got a written offer from Kentucky yesterday, and I think he was one of those guys that I was a little bit surprised that hadn't happened already just because he was recruited by Stephen Plinkscale when Plink went to Michigan. I think they might have actually offered him verbally, like I'm talking about, but he's not been a priority at Michigan either, and you're talking about a Michigan guy. I just think he's part of that pipeline that Kentucky is really not going to focus on that much anymore. I mean, you lost your guy in Plink Scale. Prior to Plink Scale, it was not near that Kentucky recruited very heavily. So I think part of part of that decision is I, I think Stoops might have wanted um, Chris Collins, a new DB's coach, to kind of have free reign, kind of recruit the guys that are more in his area. Obviously, a guy like Travion Longmire, who some people think will play wide receiver. I really don't know. Um you know, Andre Stewart's a guy from Georgia. That's part of Collins' territory, but someone else was already recruiting him, not even Plink scale. Um, so I, I don't I don't think this is a big – I mean, he is a big loss in terms of the rankings. I think he's a four-star at Rivals, and he's a pretty high three-star for us and someone who uh, I know whenever he committed to UK, there was an expectation from some of our regional reporters that he could get bumped up. But the bigger – well, I wouldn't say it's a huge story. It's just kind of a, a notable fact is, I mean, UK, it, at this point, it's about a lock. Whoever commits first in Kentucky's class is not going to be around <laughs> come signing day. Um, you can go all the way back and correct me if I'm wrong, Sean. This is this is dating us pretty far, but I'm, I think I'm right on this. Didn't Denzel Ware wasn't he the first commitment and then he decommitted before ultimately committing again? I'm to Kentucky? pretty pretty positive. I think yes. that's right. Of course, so Ware. I mean, obviously Ware ended up signing back, so you you probably don't even count him in that. But you go to uh, 2015, uh, Montreal Custis, who ended up at Ole Miss. He was Kentucky's first commit in 2015. 2016, they did a good job. They got London Young wrapped up in, like, 2013. So, I mean, that kid was uh, from Lexington. He wasn't going to go nowhere. So, uh, they were good that year. But every year since Landon Young, Kentucky's lost their first commitment. You can go to 2017. It was Mac Jones. Obviously, that was turned out to be a, a pretty brutal loss. I mean, one of the best quarterbacks in college football last year, led out Alabama to a national championship. In 2018, you had the Jaron Williams saga. Um, you did a pretty good argument to be made there that Jaron Williams' career likely would have been better off had he just stuck with the UK compared to all the moving he's had to do since then. 2019, you had Keontre Smith, who ended up at Miami. Uh, he was one of those – he went to the same high school as Josh Ali and some of those other guys who ultimately left Kentucky. Not a surprise there. He ended up at Miami as well, like Jaron Williams. 2020, you had Richie Leonard, an offensive lineman from Florida, who ended up at Florida. And then uh, 2021, you had Devin Williams from Ohio, who ended up at Minnesota, and now this year you had Caldwell. 
So whoever's first, but there is some uh, speculation though in 2023. You might get another local kid to commit first though. Ty Bryant could be a guy. He he was supposed to be in the 2022 class. He's taken that COVID year. He's a little bit young for his uh, class. I, I think you would feel good about him if he's first to commit. But that's just kind of the note. I mean, at this point, there's a pattern. But you will notice out of all those guys that I mentioned, look at the schools they ended up at. I mean, UK is identifying guys early who ended up at the Floridas, Miamis, and Alabamas of the world. I mean, those are good schools to be competing against. So if you're looking for a silver lining, uh, that would be it. But Caldwell's instance, you know, a little bit different for him because his main recruiter was not at Kentucky anymore. Again, I would say I'm, I, I don't know that we even know for sure that Kentucky continued to pursue him after uh, after Klingscale left. Yep. And going back and looking at Denzel Ware's timeline, so Denzel Ware did commit to Kentucky on February 12, 2013, and then he unofficially visited Florida in March and then followed it like a week later with a decommitment. So then there was rumors he was going to Florida, and then he ultimately recommitted that same summer two months later in June. So I forgot yeah. – I'd actually – I forgot how wild that actually was to have a player decommit, rumors <laughs> of going to another school, and then recommit back. Well, it almost happened with Williams as well. Uh, Jaren, of course, was a two-time UK commitment, and then that last one ended up at uh, Miami. But, you know, he he had some good moments at Miami, though. I mean, I can remember that game against Florida. He showed some natural talent. He, I think he's, what, at South Florida now, I want to say, but he's been to JUCO. He's, he's been all around. I mean, I don't wish ill upon any kid. I hope he can figure it out. But I do think if you were to ask him even – Given how Kentucky's quarterback situation played out, I think there's still a pretty good chance he would have started at UK from day one had he come here. And who knows? Maybe it still would have been a disaster. But uh, I got to think, given what UK had on the roster at the time, he would have been given a pretty long leash to figure things out. And you mentioned all the- I mean, he, he could be the quarterback going into this year, right? It could be a yeah. true senior going into this season had he said at UK. You mentioned all these written offers and everything that you're seeing. Them. If you've been on Twitter the last 24 hours, you're seeing written offers – by the Wade twins, you're seeing written offers by Mill Wagner. They're they're all over the place. So when that that made me want to bring that up when you mentioned that. Uh, have we missed anything else? I, I will say this: I've not even teased a mailbag episode, and I think today I've received four mailbag questions. Okay, just, just in DM. So people are excited about a mailbag, Derek. And I don't know. Do you want to do one earlier in the week this week, and then maybe do one after Fan Day and everything too, and kind of just depending on how many questions we get over the next couple of days. You, you all give us some feedback on that as well, if you want one or not. And if you do, we'll, we'll put one together for you. Yeah, in my mind, I was kind of thinking Wednesday and Thursday, split them up. Unless there's some kind of news that come out that comes out that day that dominates the news cycle. But I was thinking we could break those up, and that would lead us right into me today on Friday. And then uh, we've not done too many Saturday episodes since, uh, since the season's ended. But with Fan Day being Saturday, I'll, I'm sure a lot of you guys who listen to Kentucky Daily will probably make it up to Lexington. Uh, to watch the scrimmage, but if you don't, Sean and I or will practice, but Sean and I will have some feedback, uh, what we saw, and we'll discuss that. So we would love to hear your thoughts on that as well for, for you guys who do make it up. Yeah, and we do want to say thank you as well. July was a record-breaking month for this podcast, and Derek and I have talked and talked about how things were going to slow down during the summer, and the opposite actually happened. Now, we don't know. Maybe in future years, Derek, when we built to a certain level, the lack of content during the summer may see those numbers drop, but it they did not allow it this summer. Our listeners did not allow it to happen. <laughs> no, yeah, we appreciate you guys. Uh, 
I didn't think we would get there. Honestly, um, we got a lot of downloads in the last few days to, to push us over the top. And I'm kind of hoping that, you know, here for a while, every single month, we'll, we'll end up recording more than what we just did. So um, it was a good month for us. Again, if you, if you like this podcast, if you have friends who like UK, who like talking about UK sports, you know, tell them about us. Leave our uh, rating, all those good things that we always talk about, because I really do think it's helped us uh, these last few months. Yeah, it, it certainly has. Continue to leave the the ratings on Apple Podcast if that's the platform you listen on. I don't think Spotify or other listening platforms even have an option to leave a review. So uh, even if you listen on those, we understand that there's not an option there. But if you do listen on Apple Podcast, leave us a review. You should be able to scroll down and see the stars there. You click one, you can leave a, a written review. You can submit one there. But as always, we really appreciate the support. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily.